With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And we are starting to look at some Browns off-season roadmap. So uh, I basically wrote a whole off-season roadmap about what the Browns could do this off-season, of course. And it's up on cleveland.com slash browns. And today... Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Marie, Scott Patsko, and I talked through part of it, the tough part of it, the cuts part of it. Now, we're going to go through these as each of us are going to put up roadmaps and we're going to go through different sections. Uh, so that's all coming up on this feed. But today we're talking about some of the players that the Browns might have to cut if they want to free up some money to do all the things they want to do. Uh, if you're not a football insider subscriber, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get that exclusive newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and become one of our text subscribers. Again, it's cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. All right, let's do it. Our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And we are looking at some roadmaps of how the Browns offseason could go. Uh, you know, I just put mine up on Tuesday, so go check that out at cleveland.com slash Browns. You're going to get to see some of these roadmaps going up on the site. And we're going to spend some time on the podcast over the next couple of weeks uh, mixed in with some various other topics about what these roadmaps are going to look like and, and what the Browns offseason could look like. And we're going to start today by looking at some cuts that I decided to make. And look, these are the difficult decisions that the Browns face. And I think this is an interesting discussion because it comes down to, you know, how much does cap space matter? What do they need to do versus maybe what they should do? Who's going to step into these roles? And let's, I mean, let's just start with the big one. The first move that I made was I think they're going to have to make the move with Jarvis Landry and cut him. I, I just think the time has come. He makes a lot of money. He's older now. I, I mean, he's, he's started to suffer some injuries. I'm not super concerned about that. And I think you're going to remake this wide receiver room. And I, I just think it's hard to justify Jarvis Landry eating up $16 million of cap space here. Uh, uh, nothing against Jarvis. I think trading for Jarvis, the extension, all of that, I think it was worth every penny for this football team. But I think the time has probably come to move on. And I got the sense in Andrew Barry's end of year presser, at least, you know, reading between the tea leaves of his answer that maybe he was feeling the same way at the time. Is there any situation where Jarvis Landry is still on this football team, Mary Kay? You know, I think there is one. And that is uh, if 
if they can't sign who they might want in free agency, if they can't figure out how to significantly upgrade the receiving core, and they are running it back with Baker Mayfield, and they could find a way to restructure Jarvis's contract, and he decides that you know he's comfortable here and uh, he wouldn't mind coming back, then um, you know then I could see it. Or even if they have another quarterback, and Jarvis would be excited about playing with that quarterback. But the only way that I see it happening is if they significantly redo his contract to the point where that 16 point, I think it's three, seven, nine million right now comes down a ton. And then they give him some more uh, guaranteed money and, um, and then just go from there. But for the most part, it does seem like the end with Jarvis. Uh, It seems like the right thing to do for everybody involved. I think it's run its course. I think that um, the OBJ thing didn't sit well with him. Uh, the fact that he didn't speak to us at all uh, in the last half of the season after OBJ left, except for when we went out to his uh, Thanksgiving turkey giveaway. Uh, he did not do an official Browns interview after OBJ left. I think the fact that um, I think that means that he didn't have anything nice or good to say and therefore was going to keep his mouth shut. I think that all says uh, goodbye Jarvis to me. I agree. I thought Andrew Barry sounded a little final. Um, but I've also learned over the years that you can never say never, as we've learned with Richard Higgins. So there is a world in which he comes back under a restructured deal, but knowing that he only has one point, I think 5 million in dead cap. If you part ways with him, that's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. Most likely he'll be gone. Doug, I mean, we didn't hear from Jarvis, like Mary Kay said in the team setting, uh, after that Steelers loss. And of course, that's when the OBJ stuff went down. And then he jumps on this Zoom with OBJ and, and goes on a long rant, whatever you want to call it, wishing him the best. That clearly rubbed him the wrong way. Uh, like Mary Kay said, there's a reason he didn't talk. It just feels, I don't know, it just feels, especially if Baker Mayfield is going to be here, it almost feels like this has to be the conclusion. Yeah, and I don't care about that stuff because is he good enough to be one of their top two receivers? Like, is he a good enough player? And I know he battled injuries this past year and credit to him for fighting through stuff. But if we all think they need to elevate this passing game, if he's starting for you, is that good enough? And especially, and I just don't, obviously there's no way it's coming back at 16, Mary Kay, as you said. So I, what's the number on a restructure that would make sense for both sides? He's not going to settle for six with the Browns would the Browns go when, why would the Browns give him 11 or when they could just go get somebody new and spend his 16 million on somebody more dynamic. And I think the phrase you guys said was like, it's run its course. It just feels that way. Have a Jarvis day. I mean, this, this guy is, is super important to this era of Cleveland football. So have a, I, it would be great for him to be honored or recognized in some way. Like this dude was, was all about it. This is exactly what you want when you acquire a veteran. He's exactly what you want when you acquire a veteran. He cared about his new team. He cared about his new city. He was productive. He did what you wanted him to do. But I, I just, I can't, what Dan or Scott, like what's the number? If you're like, you know what? I think a restructure can work. What's the number? I don't even know what, I just feel like there isn't one. So I, I can't almost picture to my head how it would work to have him back. The, the number, the number is lower. If uh, say there was a situation like 
you know, they went out and got his best friend and brought him in as the other receiver. And he'd want to play with him for a few more years, you know, but that's obviously not going to happen. It's funny because, you know, say you cut Jarvis, the person you bring in is basically going to be looking at a deal roughly to what Jarvis is currently scheduled to make. And you're probably going to want the kind of production out of him that maybe Jarvis had in 2020, he got over hundred targets in 2020, he had about 70 catches. Um, that's probably best case scenario for a, a main receiver in this offense. Uh, so really, I think it comes down to probably age. You just want a younger guy who can get further down the field, who's got like a, a better depth of target than Jarvis Landry is going to give you. Um, but as far as what, you know, the replacement is, it's basically around the same thing he's making and, and that production that he's given you. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying is maybe don't be so quick to give up on Landry. I, I think it probably just comes down to age and what they, you know, the fact that maybe they don't want to pay their slot receiver, maybe that guy be the, the one who's taking up the bulk of the, the wide receiver salary. Um, they want it to be somebody else on the outside, maybe somebody more versatile than him who can, again, get down the field a little more than, than Landry can. And sometimes uh, some of these guys will go out and think that they're going to make, uh, you know, some kind of money somewhere else and it doesn't materialize and they're willing to accept a little bit less. And then also, if you get a little bit more guaranteed money, there are ways to go about it. Uh, but once again, it just it field it felt final to me. Um, so I, I don't see it happening. But, I, you know, you can creatively finance these things in any way that you want to. Um, so if, if it makes any kind of sense and maybe he wouldn't be the, um, you know, maybe he wouldn't be one of the, the top two starters. Maybe he's, maybe he becomes your sometimes third receiver or something, but, um, but, but Dan, I, I mean, I think your instincts are right. I, I think for the most part, he will probably seek greener pastures and find them, you know, in the same way that OBJ did. And I think a, good, a good question to ask is, is anybody okay with Jarvis Landry being the best receiver on this team no right there's there you go and and i think too if his role is less i don't think jarvis is going to be happy with that you know i he right. obviously still sees himself as a top line receiver but i guess with the plan i kind of laid out you know i'm signing a receiver i'm drafting a receiver and then i'm drafting another receiver who's kind of that that slot shifty you know, kind of that, that more gadgety type player. And, and by the way, you also have Demetri Felton who can take on a little more of that role. I would hope in year two, I, I just think, you know, Jarvis Landry does so many things. Well, I don't know that you could replace Jarvis Landry specifically, but you, you can replace some of the things that Jarvis Landry does. And Scott, I think one of the key points you, you said was, you know, you, I guess production is different, right? you can get a bunch of targets and a bunch of catches, but they don't all look the same. And I think that depth of target, I think that guy that can, you know, give you speed down the field and open things up. I, I just think that's probably more what you want if you're going to pay somebody $16 million. And I don't even know if I'm paying somebody $16 million, but if I'm paying somebody a lot of money to be a top receiver, I, I need him to be, to look, I guess, a little more traditionally like that number one guy. You know who does a lot of things that Jarvis Landry does, but more dynamically? <laughs> Garrett Wilson. There you go. <laughs> where, have I, where have I heard his name before? 
so I mean, like you can find there, there's there's guys that you can find. Um, I mean, obviously Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's only like a year younger than Jarvis Landry, but uh, there are guys that you can find that I just think I just think it makes more sense to spend the 16 million elsewhere, even if Jarvis Landry, um, you know, had a had Brown of the Elf tattooed on his face and was all about the Browns right now. Like it's, it, it's, but to your points, like it also feels like it might be just a time to separate, but I think it's more about the money and the production and the age and where you want the passing game to go. And the I fact that nobody else gives you the savings he does by cutting him. Yes. And I think in a lot of ways, as I was kind of going through this exercise, there is a little bit of a remaking of this roster happening not like a not like a re in a rebuild way but and this is andrew barry's third year and i think you know he inherited odell beckham and jarvis landry and you know he's he's going to start to shape this roster more in his image i think and more how he sees a roster being built and i think we're going to see that specifically in this wide receiving core i think we've seen it a little bit on the offensive line we've seen it on the defense that this roster is going to change that that kind of first window when he came in is sort of, okay, it didn't work out. You know, they're still a contender. They still need to fix quarterback, all that stuff. But like this roster is going to start to change and take a different shape a little bit too, as, as more guys get paid. Uh, the other cut I had before I get to the other big one that was really painful is hmm. Case Keenum. I, I just, it's hard for me to justify keeping Case Keenum on this team. And the case I made was you're paying him $7 million. His cap hit next year is $8 million. And you weren't willing to go to him for even a half this year when your quarterback was not playing well, when you were getting bottom five production from your starting quarterback at times. I, I can't have a backup quarterback making $8 million if I don't want to play him. So, you know, again, as a bigger part of my plan, I'm assuming Baker Mayfield is still my starting quarterback. I'm going to pretend that the other options just might not materialize. And so I need a real plan B and it doesn't seem like Case Keenum in this coaching staff's mind is a real plan B because they didn't want to go to him last year when there were plenty of opportunities to do it. So I, I just think, again, much like Jarvis Landry, Case Keenum was brought here for a specific reason. I think he did his job well. I think he helped Baker a lot in 2020. And, and now it's time to let him kind of go find another opportunity and for the Browns to, to look for their plan B just in case it doesn't work with Baker next year. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense, Dan. What you're saying makes a ton of sense. Um, and I could see that happening. I could very easily see that happening. Uh, the other thing is, though, if they are going to bring Baker back, uh, Case has been so incredibly good for him. And you are, uh, you don't have a lot of money invested in Baker Mayfield next year. It's very reasonable to pay uh, Baker $18.86 uh, million next year. So if you add those two salaries up, they only come to whatever, 26, $27 million. And you're still not at the price of an, you know, a high end quarterback. So you could justify it. If you thought that you could win games with case Keenum in the event that Baker Mayfield doesn't work out for you, I'm, I'm sure Kevin Stefanski probably thinks that he can win and that case can hold down the fort for you uh, in the event that you need him to. So although it does seem like it would make a lot of sense to kind of move on and usher him out, 
it also makes some sense to keep him if Baker is coming back just in terms of support, in terms of another coach on the field, in terms of a decent quarterback uh, that can go in there and win games for you. If they don't bring Baker back, if they change it all up and go out and find themselves a veteran quarterback that's going to start games for them, then I, you probably don't need Case Keenum and you can go with a less expensive backup. What what makes us think that Kevin Stefanski is because Dan just thought that Kevin Stefanski doesn't think that he can win games with Case Keenum because they didn't play Case Keenum last year. Why would we believe that Kevin Stefanski thinks that? That well, if Baker doesn't work out, that having Case is like a good second option. Because I think they stuck with Baker Mayfield last year, not because they didn't think Case could win games for them, but because their number one overall pick starting court franchise quarterback was healthy enough to start games for them. And you ride it out with your guy until you're ready to give up on him. And they just never got to that point where they were ready to give up on him. I think they, they saw that they can win games with case with the way they have everything set up in this offense. I mean, he, he may have won a game or two that Baker didn't win. So uh, I don't think keeping him around as the, uh, as the number two would be the craziest idea in the world for the price point I mentioned, especially if you draft a developmental rookie at some point in the, in the draft or sign one as a free agent. So again, $26 million, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It's just one option. I'm not saying they should do it, but there is a world in which you could see that happening. Now, if they go out and get the Marcus Mariota option, you know, and they sign a Mitch Trubisky or somebody like that, well, certainly it doesn't make sense, but, there is a world in which I could see it happening. Scott, what about also, you? Baker's almost 27 entering his fifth year. I, I don't care if Case Keenum helps Baker. Baker doesn't need help anymore. He's a young veteran. Like that was what Case Keenum was here for at the beginning. Uh, Baker should be helping the quarterback they draft, which probably is wishful thinking. But like that, like that's like I, I, I do. I think he's aged out of the role and is aged out of the salary and makes very little sense for this team at this point. So who would you put as the number two if Baker is coming back as the quarterback? A Scott? guy that I a guy that I draft. I want to hear, I want to hear Scott's thoughts here on who he Nick, has. Nick Mullins is still on the roster too. Um, Case Keenum was the 19th ranked quarterback in terms of cap hit last year. Uh, so highest paid uh, backup in the league. And for them not to uh, turn to him when Baker was seriously having issues um, was, I think I agree with Dan and that, that kind of told you that they only wanted to go to him in an absolute emergency situation. I think there was a reasonable switch to make and it wouldn't have been hard to justify to say, you know, we're going to get Baker a couple weeks off. I know he's going to hate it. I know he doesn't want to do it, but we're in this for the long haul and we need to win games and we're going to go to case because we think he can win games. And that never happened, you know? Um, so I, I, I do think Case is kind of his role here has come to an end. And again, he's a guy who where you're gonna you could save some some easy money and not really lose much, if anything. I, I, I do think we've had a lot of Kevin Stefanski discussions on this podcast. I, I do think if if they were just stubborn about not playing Case Keenum and it cost them two wins that could have made the playoffs, that's a big strike against the head coach because because your job is to win and and that's that's it that's the bottom line um so and i i don't even necessarily disagree with you mary Kay. that might have been what was going on but 
that 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 would be concerning if they actually cost themselves win be, wins because they just wanted to be stubborn about playing their starting quarterback because he was healthy. Okay, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, this one's a tough one. This one's an emotional one, but it has to be done because this is the NFL. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and I think I'm actually contradicting myself on this move because I think there have been podcasts in the past where I said I would not do this, but I've had a change of heart because I'm looking at the money. I'm looking at kind of what the Browns need to do at edge rusher, maybe bringing somebody back, freeing up some money for that, paying a quarter, whatever they have to do. I think I had J.C. Treader in my crosshairs. J.C. Treader makes about $9 million. If the Browns cut him, they would save about $8 million. J.C. Treader is durable. He has only missed a snap because of COVID. Uh, he did deal with some injuries this year. He wasn't practicing much. He was on the Joe Thomas plan. That being said, the Browns extended Wyatt Teller. They extended Joel Batonio. They did not do J.C. Treader. It just, it just might be time. It might be time to kind of bite the bullet here and hand the reins over to Nick Harris. He's been under training with under JC and under Bill Callahan. And I think just from a strictly money perspective, JC Treader, who just turned 31, ended up on the chopping block for me because I guess I wanted that $8 million. Am I being greedy here, Doug? Am I wrong to want the money over the, the guy who's been my reliable center since 2017? Do you think they're tight? Like, are they tight on the cap that they need to be freeing up space? If you're trying to, you know, if you want to bring in another receiver, if you really want to try to maybe resign Clowney, you know, it's so all this stuff. It's like, I'm curious, did you feel like you needed to do this in order to do the things you wanted to add to this team? Did you feel like so, you had no other choice? So define tight. I, I mean, like, if I, I don't said, really understand the cap, so I can't. Eight to ten million dollar range, which is kind of where they were this last year. That's a little tight, I think, for this front office because I think they like to roll. They like to roll money over. They like to have flexibility. Maybe they do want to pay a wide receiver sixteen or seventeen million dollars, which I think makes this move necessary. Uh, that that's not what I ultimately ended up doing, but maybe that's what they want to do. It could get tight. There's a scenario it could get tight depending on edge rusher, depending on, on wide receiver. I wouldn't do this. I mean, I, I think the center is, is a vitally important spot and I think they can ride it out with him uh, for one more year. I don't think that's a lot of money. I mean, it would be nice to, you know, to save that money and have an extra $8 million to spend on someone. But uh, I, I just, that, doesn't bother me to, um, you know, to pay JC that much money. The, as you've talked about a lot of times, Dan, you know, they're putting their, their money into their running game. And you, you never really understand how much you need a reliable center until you don't have that guy. I mean, it's a really important position. It's a really vitally important position. And again, some of the things that uh, some of the decisions that I would make would also be based on whether or not you're going to have Baker Mayfield. Uh, because if you are going to have Baker Mayfield, then I think you need to be even a little bit more careful with your offensive line and what you're doing. 
uh, you know, just up the middle pressure that you're going to have to worry about and that sort of thing. Uh, he's reliable. He's he stays healthy. Those five guys work really well together when they're all together and healthy. Uh, it probably is time to go to Nick Harris. That's probably what they're thinking by now. That was going to be the plan. Uh, but I personally wouldn't do it. I would push it out one more year. You don't know what you're going to get really 100% yet with Jack Conklin, even though his agent told me that he should be ready at the start of the season. You don't know where this whole thing is going with Jedrick Wills yet because, um, because you know, Jed had a rough year. Your tackle, your guards are rock solid. Um, I would not, I would not mess with the interior of the offensive line this year. I'd ride it out for one more year. I guess we don't really know what they think of Nick Harris, right? Um, I mean, he got in what one game, uh, uh, and he played fine. I think it was the Packers, um, but uh, you know. They've gotten basically two career years out of J.C. Trotter the last two years in one respect or another. He's played really well. And maybe you can get another one out of him that way. If, if you do that, then you're left with one year of Harris on his rookie deal, and then you got to make a decision on whether or not you want to keep him. Um, I don't know. I could go either way on this. I think if you have a chance to keep everybody together, why not? Um, this, you, know, you, you thought you were doing that this past season, and it just didn't work out because of all the injuries. Uh, but Treader is a big part of all the polling they do. You know, it's not just Batonio or, or Teller, it's Batonio and Treader or Teller and Treader. You know, those guys are kind of working in tandem and, um, you know, maybe you get a third straight career year out of them. Uh, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's that big of a risk to take. Uh, I think you have enough other areas where you can save money if you felt you had to. So you guys all think I'm being cheap here. No. So, I mean, this is the plan, right? Nick Harris was drafted in the fifth round. He'll be entering his third season. This is what good franchises do. You draft guys and then you develop them. And a couple of years later, you can slide them in and save money on a veteran, which allows you to go do something else. I guess the hard thing is JC Treader is so uh, steady that Nick Harris didn't get to play very much, as you said, but he graded out at 70 on PFF in that Packers game. Um, the 16 games J.C. Treader played, he had seven that were better than that and nine that were worse than that. His overall grade for the year was higher than 70. His his, But could Nick Harris be 85% of J.C. Treader for a lot less money? I, I, I don't know what that answer is. Do we, do we have any sense of what that answer is? Do we think it, Dan, do you think it's a maybe, like a pretty strong maybe, which is why you did this? I think, I mean, I mean, look, this is one of those situations where the Browns know more about this than we do. I mean, they've seen Nick Harris. They've actually seen Nick Harris, right? They see him in meeting room. They see him on the practice field. They see him, like if they make this move, it's because they believe in Nick Harris, right? Or they have some other move in their pocket where they're going to bring in some other center. Um, but, you know, the reality is, maybe this is kind of one of those year too early moves that, that Bill Belichick made famous where it's, you know, this guy's 31. Now he's in the last year of his contract. He didn't practice this year. He's kind of been dragging himself out there the last couple of years with these injuries and he's made it out there. That's, that's the job, but you know, maybe you're not real comfortable with that, especially, especially at that number. And if you need a little extra money here or there, 
that, that could be the move. And if you're going to make the move, if you're going to go to Nick Harris, you want to do it when you have two of the best guards in football on either side of him. I think you have a better chance of getting away with it. Um, if, if you have Joel Batonio and, and Wyatt Teller over there, the Browns really kind of have a luxury line right now. I mean, very few teams have three interior players like this. At some point, something's got to give. And, and maybe, maybe pushing it a year too early is, you know, maybe it's something you don't need to do. You know, I don't think that uh, this would be a move that would, you know, shake the universe. I, I don't think it would be, you know, catastrophic. I don't think, you know, fans would be up in arms and picketing the facility. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't, you know, it's going to be like, oh, it's a center. Okay, no, you're going to have Nick Harris. That, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think there's going to be some hue and cry for for J.C. Treader if they make this move. So, we, I mean, it wouldn't be the absolute worst idea in the world. But when you do draft a player in the fifth round, you hope that he turns into your starter, um, but you're not banking on that. You're not counting on the fact that he is definitely going to be that guy for you. You kind of take a flyer on a guy in the fifth round. So it's not like, you know, they drafted their first round center and he's just waiting in the wings uh, to step in there and replace JC Trek. If it works out with Nick Harris, fine. If it doesn't fine. Uh, personally, I think it's worth the money right now uh, to to stick with JC. So Dan has no no problem with potentially upsetting Joel Petonio, getting rid of his best friend on the offensive line. And we talk a lot about players' feelings and people being upset about this or that. And you're getting rid of Joel Petonio's best friend. Oh, see now now it's just a, a and he's an important part of this team. You don't want to upset Joel Petonio. He's been through you want a disgruntled all pro and pro bowl guard on your team. Just another, just another gut punch right there. You know what? Cut them both. Fine. Cut them both. If you're so upset about your friend, you're both out of here. Uh, so I, I do, I do have visions to your point, Scott. I have visions of Joel sitting on a zoom call in April saying, well, the NFL is a business. <laughs> yeah. Joel Petonio hopping on JC Treader's Super Bowl zoom call next year when JC Treader is playing for it all. Uh, mm-hmm. So Nick Harris didn't give up a pressure against the Packers. The Packers, right? I mean, they're not the world's greatest defense, but not to be stupid and and use one a one game sample size. But like, did the Browns miss J.C. Treader when he didn't play against the Packers, or were they fine? Too like small kind of, of a too small of a sample size. You got you got to you've got to see what he can do against you know better defenses, better you know, guys game planning for him and stuff like that. So, I mean, maybe, maybe he is the center of the future and maybe he'll be amazing, but I don't think you can draw any substantive conclusions from one football game. I will say the minute Blake Hans played, everybody was like, not that he's not good <laughs> enough. So the, sometimes <laughs> you maybe don't know the guy's good enough. You know, when he's bad. So, Nobody was going, oh, my God, Nick Harris got blown up four times and got Baker Mayfield killed. So um, I guess this is the thing. It's what you do with the money. Dan, what if this is the treader savings is what allows you to sign clown? Yeah, and, and that's sort of where, you know, if I'm going to need 10, maybe 10 to 12, maybe 14, I don't think, I don't think we're going that high at defensive end, but if I'm going to need that money, to either bring Clowney back or get another veteran on that defensive end position. I, I might need to do that. 
you know, I, I don't know how tight it's going to get. And I think a lot of it depends on what they spend at receiver. Like if they're going to pay a guy 17 to $20 million to come in here and be their number one receiver, then, then you might have to change your center. And you know, all these things that you've proposed, I could definitely see all of them happening. And I don't think any of them would be, uh, necessarily bad if they do happen in any in any way shape or form but you know for the purpose of of discussion you know i think it's 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 good to look at all all sides of it but i'm not going to be you know in march if, if they decide oh we don't want jc treader as our center anymore but they're like oh my god i can't believe they did that i mean it's not like that with any of these guys i think we all expect that jarvis landry is probably going to be gone and Case Keenum, I mean, you know, if he stays, fine. If he goes, fine. But um, I think all of these moves make absolute perfect sense, and I can see pretty much any of them going either way. All right. Well, I put together a full roadmap. Uh, these cuts were the first part of it, but I put together a whole bunch of free agent signings and draft moves. Uh, it's at cleveland.com slash browns. You can go check that out. Uh, Doug is up next. We're going to do his uh, tomorrow. So. Not sure what position we're going to talk about yet, so that's going to be a surprise for our uh, our podcast listeners. So just make sure you get subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast as we continue to go through uh, these roadmaps that everybody's going to lay out, and they're going to be a lot more sunny than than this one was, where we're sending guys packing. It's going to be a lot more positive after this one. I gave everybody the the bad news today. All right, uh, Doug, Mary Kay, Scott, I will talk to you all later. <laughs>